passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind a Raw. It is officially Forbidden Poor Week at Post Wrestling. I am John Pollock, along with waiting a very big week. All roads lead to real sports. 15 York Street, across the street from the Scotiabank Arena. Uh, a time will be had this coming Sunday. This feels uh, like years away. Um, that is what I feel is in between now and Sunday, but this is where we will be. We hope many of you will be joining us. Doors at 3, live edition of Ask Away. Come see the man himself waiting in person. He gives a very reasonable rate for photos, if you so choose, <laughs> and autographs. You might need to mortgage your home, if you so choose. <laughs> and then, after you get your whole Forbidden Door viewing in, come on right back, as you will get the... Biggest after party outside of Katana Chance and Caden Carter, as we will have late into the evening, the Forbidden Poor after party, karaoke, wrestling themed drinks, who knows what else will be going on, but all of it going down postwrestling.com slash live. Uh, a big thank you to all that have uh, supported this event. This is this might be our most successful event that we have done in terms of a post wrestling uh, meetup of sorts. I get the sense it could be, um, uh, and I think a lot of that comes down to the people who really know how to put on a party, and that's Braden and Davey at Poison Rana. Those guys know what they're doing when it comes to these things, and uh, I can't wait to experience one of the their own Poison Rana parties. So spend the whole day with us. You know, we'll 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 hang out, do a little podcast, uh, do some uh, even giveaways of prizes, and then uh, we'll watch what could be one of the best shows of the year, and then we'll all hang out do some karaoke, talk about it maybe even afterwards. Is Way going to do karaoke? I, I I think I'll have too many uh, notes to, you know, uh, review. So what I, if you I, sang I'm your notes? <laughs> sang my notes to what's so what theme? I what mean, theme song? I mean, it, it just rings <laughs> off the top there. Maybe, maybe get up and do a little Elton John for everyone. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Okay. Well, that is uh that is all coming up this week. Uh, we will plug uh, the schedule, but, I know what everyone has tuned in, you know, Saturday night, we went through collision and everyone wants to know what did Wei Ting think of the debut edition of AEW collision from the United center in Chicago? Uh, tell me Wei, just going in, you know, as a two hour event, did it succeed in kind of grabbing attention? Certainly you had um, the, the, the punk attraction on this, but as a show as a whole, what did you think? 
Well, first of all, let me let me just um, congratulate John Cena and Kate from Montreal on the launch of Collision Course, our brand new AEW Collision Review Show every weekend. I, I I've told them they don't have to go live every single Saturday night, you know. So uh, more than likely, I think you know, coming after the, the following weeks, expect at some po- at some point on Sunday. But uh, you guys did a great job, the three of you. John joined the two of them. I'll be joining Kate this uh, this this coming Saturday, and then it's the two of them off the ra- uh, off to the races. So uh, they did a great job. A lot of comments about John Cena's theme song off the top as well. A banger, as the kids like to say. But um, my thoughts on AEW Collision as a show and as a um, sort of satisfying viewing experience that is that might be, you know, is it worth my time as an AEW fan who normally watches Dynamite? I, I certainly thought the first episode was. You know, I thought it was a really good show. All Completely, um, maybe not exactly on the level of a dynamite throughout the body of the show but certainly at the beginning and certainly at the end it felt like a very important show because of cm punk i think it also served as a really great introduction show for a lot of, or reintroduction show i should i should say for you know a lot of the rest of the roster um it felt distinct in um, at least the set certainly in the way it sounded with the different set of commentators and i think with the with the roster as well um and for that reason it felt different enough from something that I was getting on a Wednesday that I would at the very least continue uh, in, you know, I'm going to have to continue, but even if I wasn't doing a review, I, I would certainly continue after beyond this week. I really enjoyed the episode a lot. To me, it did accomplish the, it felt like an A show, but it also felt like it had its distinct, its distinction from dynamite at, at the same time and long-term, or I should say short-term, the success of this is going to be built around CM Punk and how people uh, take to him. And to me, coming out of that promo, it's to a portion of the audience, they are going to take him as a heel. I think there's others that it's, it's going to be like, what side are you on? And you sort of have these two different, this this distinction of what AEW is uh, Punk being a clear one extreme, the elite, another and you will have bands that can be on both. I think it can be done in such a compelling enough way that it's really intriguing. But that promo is going to be judged. It's it's almost as though it's an incomplete grade until we can look back in six months and either say that that promo kicked things off and they were off to the races or it went nowhere. And it was um, it was great that night. Uh, what did you feel about um, the promo, first of all? I thought it was a really good promo. Um, I think like most my 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 big takeaway watching it was just more so a reminder of how good this guy is at public speaking, how good he is at commanding an entire audience and how comfortable he sounds doing it. I mean, that's been the case throughout his entire career. There's just something incredibly magnetic about the way this guy speaks publicly in a professional wrestling setting that really is hard to replicate um with really he felt anybody. like a like like i'm not trying to be like disparaging like a cult leader or mm-hmm. something like that but that cult is personality what he, he has yeah. all of the characteristics that elicit this audience that will jump in front of a car for this guy like he mm-hmm. has that command of his audience that these are not fans these are his disciples you know what i mean and that mm-hmm. is what he commands he's an ultra charismatic individual that mm-hmm. Whether it is a podcast setting, whether it is a live promo or a press conference, this man is uh, just 
an incredible speaker that is so engaging that people are so taken and yeah. it's you have one opinion or the other and that is a great that is everything you want out of a out of a protagonist or an antagonist however you want to view him mm-hmm. my my feeling coming out of the promo is very much that um i you know i I don't know if you should be expecting a straight up baby face or a straight up heel um, anymore. You know, certainly in this context with him in front of his hometown crowd, it very much felt like a speech for his followers, a speech for his team, people who are, you know, are very much on his side of things. And I, I you know, Chicago obviously was the, the setting to do something like that. It was, it felt like a f- sort of like a, you know, flag planting promo to be able to, to say we're collision. Well, I would have said that if he made a grander statement about collision itself, but I mean, we don't even know the status of like these rosters and their distinction right now, but it certainly felt like team punk. I'm not going to apologize. This is what, what it is. And I also think judging by like that bucks line, I really do feel like at this point, I have to think things are a go for, you know, at least something down the road where these, these people work together. Cause it's hard for me to think really, even up until this point that like, Tony Khan would not approve a line like that without the intention of at least building towards something with these two working. Um, but it would also uh, go against knows. his like very ethos that he um, delivered at the beginning of this, that this is a bit, that this is business and that would not be a line for business if he was just sneaking it in there either. And I think um, uh, again, you would certainly look at that line. And I, I just believe now that when you have presented to your public, the, elite coming out to that show in Chicago and doing all those punk spots. And now you get this line. Um, Listen, every question that comes your way, like you have introduced that and you have um, you, you are basing key things around this. So it is again, um, this idea, like if you want this story to go away, um, you're doing the exact opposite. So I feel like this should only um, continue. Yeah, I have to think so. I mean, I, I, I and if there's business it, reasons for it, it should continue. Like it is the direction everyone wants to see. And now your key character has led you in that direction. And that is what the audience should be anticipating. Well, for one thing, again, like, like we said, going into the show, if he did not address the elite or at least brawl out in some sort of significant way. I think we would would have all everybody would would have come out of it being feeling disappointed or dissatisfied. He didn't completely address it head on, but I think he gave you a good line to be able to say, hey, like, screw the Young Bucks, you know, Team Punk. Like, it gave you a reason to to want to continue to see this feud, to con- want to continue to see the rivalry, to want to keep the story fresh, which is completely to their benefit, to everybody's benefit, to keep this thing alive and as hot and as believable as humanly possible. It is the hottest program possibly in professional wrestling. Do you see others beyond punk and maybe FTR that there will be a greater number that are sort of earmarked for collision? Obviously, we're going to see some back and forth, and I don't even think that's the worst thing. It's not like they've come out and stated this is it's sort of an unspoken split, Mm -hmm. but just having punk out there, you've got a championship in theory with this guy in the bag and even subtle things like when Kevin Kelly was reacting and stating uh, I don't detect any lies. It's like Kevin Kelly, like putting his allegiance behind, like CM Punk is my guy. I kind of like the way that they, you want to have these shows that are almost like separate presentations, but still, you know, very 
they're yeah. still linked. Everyone knows this is AEW, but there are differences. And that is something like the audience does see like this guy does not get along with people on Wednesday. Like there is a, there is a realness to this that you can tap into. And I would say week one, they got that across real well. My, I do think it was a mistake not to at least set up punk something for mm-hmm. next week. Mm-hmm. I just like, yes, you have social media, you have dynamite. I would have just wanted, Hey, next at the very least, like punk will speak again next week in Toronto. What will he say? Anything just to yeah. make that clear. Cause I would say like, if, if you're not someone that's super engaged, you could go off collision. And when am I going to see punk again? I don't know. Yeah. Is he going to be on dynamite? Is he going to be on collision? Like not every person knows that. Well, I think I think a really interesting um, answer will probably be given to us cu- this coming Wednesday. I mean, it's it's a AEW Dynamite in Chicago. Um, I'm not necessarily expecting CM Punk, but I also wouldn't completely rule it out. And if CM Punk is there, are the elite necessarily there? Um, do the, you know is Punk necessarily exclusive to Collision? Can he not show up on a Dynamite once in a while with the elite not showing up? If I was a a follower of this company and I bought a ticket and Punk is just showing back, showing up and I'm going to an AEW show in Chicago and there's no issue with Punk, I would expect him to be there unless it was outright stated he he wasn't. Like that is something like you will have Punk chance on Wednesday. I have no doubt about it until he. Well, you have fuck the elite chance. Uh, yeah, I think that if they are on the show, they will be persecuted on that show like that is going to they have set the table for that and listen if that's the far away plan that's a great atmosphere to have on wednesday to really heat this up yeah yeah i i mean i i watched the show and i'm looking for something special about it and i thought there was something special certainly in the speech and if they you know play their cards right and are able to build to this rivalry with everybody on board um man it could be the best thing ever but let's just hope everybody it could be on board beyond that i thought uh buddy murphy versus andrade was fantastic this show needed a match that everybody would be talking about to at least you know kind of carry that um that the idea that this is a show that also provides great wrestling in addition to some of those storylines um wardlow versus you know uh um uh, luchasaurus I, i thought was okay um but um beyond that you know, it's the first week, you know, and as the first week, I thought they did really well. I thought they, I thought the handling of sky blue in Chicago was, was very good. Like that was mm-hmm. those two shows last week, I think did significant uh, mm-hmm. assistance. She for, looked great. Sky blue. Yeah, totally. So because uh, it, it is Juneteenth, which is a federal holiday in the U S ratings will be delayed this week. So rampage and SmackDown numbers won't be out until Tuesday afternoon. And the big collision number will come in Wednesday morning. We do have, um, the Canadian number. So on Saturday night, it aired live on TSN plus, and it was on a four hour delay on TSN two at midnight. So take that into account. And it only did 15,000 viewers and 9,000 in the 25 to 54 demo. It's, it's very low. Um, I, I wouldn't say like, I, I saw responses from people who did not even know that this was going to be on TSN two. It was not promoted in any, significant way so i i hear the promotion dude like well listen people? and they they never even confirmed the time slot to me i mean they just listen it's um <laughs> i don't think many people are probably aware that it's listed for live this this saturday so again it, it's a low number i don't put crazy stock into it but it, it, it's not as though um it was this number that would have shocked uh tsn of like wow look at look at this gigantic mm. number but it it also was like 
our, our big secret that this thing was airing on television in Canada. Curious to know, like what what it, it, it how how much better it did than what it what usually airs in the spot, which I have no idea. Saturday night at midnight. Oh, uh, TSN two at midnight. Yeah, it's yeah. it's probably not it, like you had like Sports Center as a lead in for this. Um, on top of it, and honestly, if you are someone that is seeking out um this first um collision, odds are you're probably going the extra mile to just stream it and and mm-hmm. go through that process to watch it live, whether it be on TSN or other means if if you really wanted to see that show and the punk promo like that is i would say most weeks i don't think watching it live is going to be imperative for people but for this first week i think a lot of people wanted to see this this show live moose announced that he has re-signed with impact wrestling he's been there since 2016 and stating that um, he has more to get done before his time in Impact is done. Not only did I sign back with Impact Wrestling, but I also signed the longest deal anyone has ever signed in the company's history. A whole lot of work to be done, so let's go. And that was his announcement. So he's 39 years of age. I don't know how long this uh, contract is that he has signed, but I mean, it's the longest in Impact's history. So do, do we do we know who who holds that prior record? No, I mean, we don't. Uh, I don't know who would have the longest. Huh. Uninter- I, I don't know if it, this would be like a singular contract, because yeah. obviously there were people that were there for, for years and years and years, but not on one, one, one long deal. So okay. well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he signed a lifetime deal with Impact. <laughs> Perhaps. Let's be there forever. NXT on Tuesday night, a pretty big episode that they have uh, coming up. So Seth Rollins will take on Braun Breaker. I guess he's going to be going in with a rib injury that they set up on Raw. Wes Lee takes on Tyler Bate for the North American title with Mustafa Ali as the referee. A number one contenders three-way, Tank uh, Ledger and Hank Walker take on Idris Anofe and Malik Blade and Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. Lash Legend and Chikara Jackson against Valentina Faros and Ulyssa Leone. Cora Jade against Dana Brooke. And the big one, the pep rally for Thea Hale one week before her match against Tiffany Stratton. So I think that this is going to be probably what what is the most that NXT can do? They are not going up against anything gigantic on Tuesday night. This is like Seth Rollins, which I mean, this is really one of the one of the biggest matches they have presented on NXT on USA. It would be in that that small number of you know big, big matches that they've had. And certainly of the 2.0 era, this might be the biggest that they have promoted. And they, yeah, they but- did promote it tonight on Raw. Yeah, by far, I would say, you know, I, I don't think you've ever had somebody on the star uh, power level of a Seth Rollins, nor, you know, depending on how you view this championship, I mean, you know, a legitimate world championship against Braun Breaker, who's arguably your biggest star on NXT 2.0. So um, this is a big match. And if it does not do well, um, I think it would be a big disappointment. On Wednesday, Dynamite is in Chicago at the Wintrust Arena with Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki, the sex gods, against Action Andretti, Darius Martin, and A.R. Fox, Chris Statlander against Taya Valkyrie for the TBS title, Orange Cassidy and Katsuyori Shibata against Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Garcia, the Hardys against the Guns, a concession stand brawl between Jeff Jarrett and Mark Briscoe, Adam Cole will speak, and we are going to find out whatever the Blind Eliminator tournament is going to be for a future AEW tag title shot. So another tournament, and I guess a lot of people are assuming this could be just random partners paired together. Um, oh, okay. With the, the blind nature of things. We will find out on Wednesday. Uh, but the crowd's going to be pretty 
entertaining, I would say. And they are at around 6,000 or so tickets for Chicago on Wednesday. And the last bit of news is New Japan Strong announcing their lineups for the Independence Day cards. We won't list off everything. They're listed on the site, but some of the key matches. So the first night on July 4th, it is TJP and Francesco Akira against Clark Connors and Dan Maloney. John Moxley and Homicide will team up against El Desperado and June Kasai on the first night in a no DQ, exciting encounter doomsday match. Whatever that will entail. Probably fireworks on the 4th of July, literally, uh, I would imagine. And then uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi will have two matches. The first night, they defend the strong openweight tag titles against Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd. And the second night, they will defend the IWGP tag titles against Coughlin and Kidd as well. Hmm. So um, July 5th, it's Kenta and Eddie Kingston for the strong openweight title. Final death match between John Moxley and El Desperado. And they had a hell of a match last year, SummerSlam weekend. So this will be um, final death. Not beginning death. This is final death. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming this one will be a whole lot bloodier and might even involve, um, you know, a, a, at least one strand of barbed wire, if not more. So um, it's I don't usually see this type of match promoted for New Japan, but I mean, something that'll make New Japan strong distinct is uh, going the death match route. Get bring somebody like a June Kasai in. I, I think it's incredibly exciting. June Kasai in there with John Moxley. Sounds great. Yeah. And this is also on a Wednesday, so it will mean Moxley will miss Dynamite for the, these shows as well. And as well, uh, Tom Lawler uh, has been added to these shows as well. So they look like uh, very good cards. And they are it's, – it's a pay-per-view where your $30 U.S. covers both nights of the Independence Day shows um, that they, they will have here. But Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm assuming like, the first Independence Day-themed show ever to take place in Cora Cuban Hall. I mean, I could be mistaken, but I mean, hard for me to th- imagine. I'm sure they're celebratory. I hope they do the national anthem at the beginning of the shows. <laughs> yeah. And they should serve like burgers and French fries and just, you know, have a food fight at the yeah. end. Um, I'm sure they will sure. have plenty of ideas. Yeah. Celebrate Independence Day in, in Japan. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there you have it. Those are coming up in July. The kind of last stop before the G1 kicks off. Are you ready for the G1 way? Are you getting I, in the mental state for it? I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I bought my extra coffee beans. Um, good to go. Coming up this week, we've got uh, up next on Tuesday night and then the post wrestling cafe. Uh, we've been for, for the next few weeks, we're going to be going four nights in a row on the post wrestling cafe Wednesday nights. It is a double header night after dynamite. We have the double shot. And this week we're going to be chatting about Matt Bourne, the original doink, the clown, a very uh, controversial figure in uh, pro wrestling and someone that was, you know, uh, certainly affected by uh, drug use and died in 2013. So I'm intrigued to see this episode and who all they spoke to for this one. We'll talk about that Wednesday night. Thursday, it's the return of MCU later. And mm-hmm. uh, you guys are talking about the um, the original plans for the invasion. The the <laughs> idea to is that what this is? The, the, the invasion angle that no one ever really has known about. It's never been revealed. Yes, John, we will be reviewing Secret Invasion. Marvel's Secret Invasion, episode one. Me and Rich Fan and 
late notice announcement. WH Park will be joining us. WH oh, Park boy. thought thought he wouldn't be able to make it, but it it it, it turns out he could. So uh, those two will be leading the series going forward. But I'll be joining in the first episode. Really looking forward to talking talking about this one. It's been a while since we've had MCU later come back with uh, Disney Plus TV. So do check that out Thursday night, 10 p.m. That'll, Eastern, and that'll be weekly every Thursday throughout the run of Secret Invasion. You know what I'm excited about? The Bear comes back this week. Really? Wow. Two. Oh, yeah. No way. It's a dude who's in the uh, the Von Eric movie. Is the, uh, the I know. Character. Yeah. We we both watched the first season, right? Yes. Yes, we. Have. I read one review who said this season. I guess maybe they've got a, an advance or whatever. They said this season won't give you a heart attack. It's like that. That was kind of the the allure of the first one. I know. One I kind of want a heart attack. One oh. one of the best episodes of recent memory for me was yeah. in that first season. The continuous, uh, just like breakneck speed. Like you were just like. You were having heart palpitations by the end of this one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but we won't be talking about the bear. I'm just going to watch the bear. Take no notes at all. Mm-hmm. Friday, it's Rewind to Smackdown with Wei Ting and Kate from Montreal. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with the, the viewers out there. Um, when I was 20 years old and first got into like Euro music, my favorite artist was MJ. E.M. J-A-Y, who had the classic Flying to the Moon. Um, she is playing in Toronto on Friday. And John Pollock is going to be there to watch MJ, um, who is doing, get ready for it, a whole 30-minute set. Like, wow. Excuse me? And she's on, like, first. How do you know it's it's 30 minutes? Because they listed the set times today. Really? And I went through wow. the S. Um, so she's she is on headlining. first. So I've also got to get all the way to this place for 6.30 on a Friday. I was like, are you kidding me? So she's not even headlining? She's Dude, she's opening the show. Oh, who's headlining? Yeah. Uh, I think it's... Uh, you don't uh, even know? Well, I, I bought I bought it for... Labouche is playing. Are you familiar with Labouche? <laughs> not really, but... No? I'm surprised, actually. So John, like, in my... In our, like... What is it now? Like, I don't know. It feels like 13 years, 18 years, however long we've been podcasting together. It hasn't been that long. Shit, like, oh, God. I don't... It's been like almost like eight, like at least like 15 years. He has never asked for a night off with at least recording with me um, for a concert. Okay, usually it's like because he's he's doing a UFC on the weekend, wants some time to spend with his family. It might be, you know, a child's birthday party. This week he has asked time off to go to a concert and it just happens to be MJ. So um, if it's not Aqua, then okay, I'll, I'll take MJ. We've got MJ playing Labouche. You remember Joey? Yeah, Joe Dash E. Yeah. What's his um, What's his big song? Um, Joey had like a few. Joey was not. I, I wasn't like a big big fan of his. He's playing for almost an hour. I don't. I, I'll be honest. I don't think I'm going to make it to the end of this. Stevie B is headlining. <laughs> like honestly, I'm going for. I was going for like one artist, and they're done by seven fifteen. <laughs> and re- realistically, I could be home by SmackDown. So there, and someone named Shannon and Thea Austin, who I've never heard of. Yeah, that's Joe. Okay. Those he are was the... big in the Toronto club scene in like circa 2000. How much Alice did you pay DJ for this? Really popular. How much did you pay for this ticket? I'm kind of curious what they're charging this bill. Oh, that's that's a good question. Do you actually want to know? Yeah, I, I do. I could, if you give me two seconds here, I could I could probably find this one. How, how much would you pay? No, I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Way would have to be paid to uh to go to this. Even then, I don't know. <laughs> oh Jesus! 
Yeah, I dropped 80 bucks on this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope you have the time of your life, dude. I think that's awesome. Um, I, I, who knows? You, you know, every, coming out of the pandemic, listen, live experiences are the thing, right? Everybody's wanting to go to concerts. Everybody's wanting to hold, start, hold a concert. And clearly, even MJ is going to come out uh, with Joey, with LaBouche, and they're going to give you the greatest experience of your life. So what do you think? I feel like there's at least a 20% chance like she has some problem at the border or doesn't make it. What possible problem? Why would Canada turn away MJ? My luck. That's that's why. My luck. And that's, is she not Canadian? Luck. No, no, she's not Canadian. Though she has oh. performed on Electric Circus in the past. You can watch a, live performances of her. I, I okay. okay. She's, Canadian, she's Canadian, man. Is she Canadian? Yeah, yeah. She's from Ottawa, so it's not exactly a big drive. So you're going to get your show. Don't worry about it, John. Huh. That's interesting. Um, well, there, well, there you have it. You learn something new every day. Yeah. And our viewers are, um, all so much smarter too, I think. And then collision Saturday night. You're also going to be doing correct. Yes. Me and Kate from Montreal just for this week, I'll be joining her on collision course. Uh, We're hoping to get in touch with John Cena at some point, because of course he will be going to the show live. Will you be going to the show live? Um, maybe. Maybe. Okay. All right. As of now, no, but maybe. I'll see. Um, yeah, it's I think it'll be a very good show on Saturday. It's one where I think if you it end up needs going, to be John second weekend, it's it's just as important. Well, as it's week just one. you have all this talent on standby for the next day. I just I can't imagine that it's not going to be a really loaded up show that I just I can't imagine it being a, a disappointing show by any stretch. Like punks on the show. Like I to me, it would be uh, an appealing show to mm-hmm. go to if you're not going to Forbidden Door the next day. Hey, quick All right. plug. Uh, our friends at the NWA podcast just had their show on Wednesday. Those of you who uh, checked Refresh Your Feet this morning would have found it. Great show with Nate, Chris, the recently married Chris. So congratulations again to the professor. Very cool story about Chris uh, getting his, his PhD. And uh, yeah. I, I won't ruin the story, but r- really, uh, it was a huge week for, for Chris from L.A. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously very inspired by Omos's recent wedding as well. So, um, you know, um, had to do it, had to maybe, you know, take a bit of that that big man spotlight. But also they were joined by John Cena and Rich Fan. And uh, those two are always, always, always fantastic. Got into like a huge tangent talking about like DC and, and Warner Brothers and everything going on there with the uh, comic book movie. So, yeah, looking forward historic to uh, cartoon characters that, uh, that may not fly today. Mm-hmm. yeah so check that out also wrestlenomics we're counting down it's the last month of wrestlenomics on the post wrestling feed wrestlenomics is moving to patreon.com slash wrestlenomics not only do you get to support the one of the finest journalistic sources in professional wrestling not only do you get your quarterly hour ratings uh for for these shows every single week but you'll now also get to exclusively hear wrestlenomics radio every week with brandon jesse and chris as well that's right and uh brandon and i We'll be joined this Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, with Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. So we will be live at 1, and we should have the collision numbers by then. So we can go into those with Dave and talk about uh, Forbidden Door and all the other news that we'll be catching up with Dave with. Wednesday, 1 Eastern, here on the Post Wrestling YouTube channel, as well as on the WrestleNomics feed. So a very big week at Post Wrestling. That's almost, that's almost as big as Tony Khan for me. Um. That, that's what you told me when I when I told you the, the guest. So <laughs> tune in this week. And tonight you were tuning into Raw from the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Ohio. 
Seth Rollins comes out for the open challenge and Graves is already mentioning that he's got a title defense tomorrow against Braun Breaker. And before anyone can answer the open challenge, Finn Balor jumps Seth Rollins and the officials are out and Balor hits no less than three coup de grosses, two of them coming off the steps, injuring the ribs of Seth Rollins and Seth needing to be taken out. And then he was attacked a second time backstage by Balor. Really violent attack here with uh, Rollins being thrown into the, the equipment and Balor telling him that he's waited seven years for this revenge. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a good beatdown angle, you know, add some credibility and aggression to Balor, which was, you know, uh, Seth Rollins intent. Uh, we learn later. Um, Balor certainly at times has kind of felt like a guy who's been booked to even the underneath the Damien Priest. So I think he greatly needed something like this to really just elevate him to show that he's different. I would say that a beatdown like this kind of did more for Balor than even like donning the demon face paint did. You know, there's really nothing the demon face paint does to accentuate and heighten Finn Balor's sort of like in-ring style or just how I perceive him as a threat beyond just looking cool. This, I felt like, made him feel a bit special. Uh, it was like a ton of intensity for from Balor. I thought he was great in this segment as well. And yeah, I mean, when you look at it on... Like, just on its own with Rollins and Balor, it sort of feels like, okay, this is the, you know, first title defense curse that, you know, the the challenger, it's always a very difficult role. But they have all of this history that they're leaning on significantly. And I don't know if anyone is expecting a title change, but I think that they have made Balor very compelling going into this. And you know you're going to get an outstanding match with them on on top of it. So I I think they've done a very effective job in, in promoting this for London in a couple of weeks. Do you also notice every time they've got to promote with a unique start time of 3 p.m. Eastern? They've always always got to in, insert unique. Like mm. This is it's just does, a different. Is, is it effective? It's not a unique time. It's just a different time. Well, is it? Is it? Is it a? So what you're saying? They should say a different. It's just one of those WWE things where you have to say it every single time that right. I have to make fun of it. Then <laughs> it's not their fault. It's yeah. it is their fault, really. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. The Miz comes into the ring. He was all ready to answer the open challenge here in Cleveland, and Rollins did not deliver his promise. And he issues his own open challenge and calls Cleveland losers, just in case they were all going to cheer this guy. And Tommaso Ciampa comes out. He's been out since September, and he makes his return here, drills the Miz. And if you were asking why these guys were aligned together, the whole nine months was summarized by... Champa sitting on the desk yelling, not one text message. That was it. That was enough. Mm. The whole friendship gone. So there's a flying clothesline to Miz and then catches him with a knee strike as Miz comes off the top and uh, Champa hits the fairy tale ending in four minutes and 18 seconds. Fine return for Champa. He is in a babyface role separate from the Miz and good fine return, I guess. You got to text your friends, man. Got to text them if they're hurt, if they're out. You know? how, how long do you go with, until it's an awkward text message? Like after a month, it's like, hey. Yeah. Mm. Heard, you better have a good excuse. Back. You know, it's like, hey, man, um, I uh, forgot <laughs> you got you got injured. Um, no, you got to do it like relatively soon, I think. So. If we were ever in that situation, okay, and you had like – um a bad injury okay and mm-hmm. i couldn't like 
you couldn't do the show. Would you want me to like actually call you or would a text be sufficient? Um, call would be appreciated, but I mean, okay. who knows? Like I might be like hopped up on medication, like uh, unable to answer. I think, um, but I think, I think it's also, also dependent on the relationship that you actually have with the person. Like if we're just strictly on like a more of a texting basis where we can even convey like seriousness through text, then I think that's fine. Outside uh, of immediate family. Yeah. Are there calls you get where like, you're excited to see that person is calling you all the time? Certainly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have to be anybody, you know, uh, or sorry, it doesn't, it's, it's usually not disappointing. I'm never disappointed at seeing a phone call. You could call me out of the blue. We could chat. I would think that there'd be something seriously wrong, but I I don't, I'm usually unlikely to answer. That's the problem. You know, I, I called you for something a while ago and it was serious. I remember, yeah. but not that serious that I remember what it was, but I'm you answered just- and like, this must be serious. <laughs> Right. But I'm just really bad about like, you know, like I'm always doing something else when like somebody happens to call that I always usually just kind of let it ring anyway. And I might call mm-hmm. back, but FaceTime though is uh like, I need a heads that's up a bit that much. you're FaceTiming me. I'm not just, yeah. I gotta put my answer. makeup on, you know, I just, I'm very insecure. The judgment day walk out to the entrance and they just stand here. They have to go through the commercial break, whatever videos, just hanging out here at the entrance. We come back. Balor says that the open challenge is canceled because of me, and he's going to take the title from Rollins. And all you fans, you're going to be singing his song at his funeral. It's going to murder him in London. Mm -hmm. He's not coming back alive. They continue to sing. Ripley speaks and goes over the matches that the Judgment Day have at Money in the Bank. Priest warns Cody about keeping Dom's name out of your mouth. And the crowd shuts down Dom. He is really great at just egging on the crowd, getting maximum reaction as they boo. And challenges Cody to find two partners to face them in a six-man tag tonight. That would become our main event as Cody. Cody had to either make some phone calls or even knock on some doors. But actually, we found out Cody's a texter, even when they're in the same building true you're right yeah could he just not have walked over i guess texting is is far easier i totally get the text even in that's close proximity. it yeah yeah um this was a good little spotlight they gave to judgment day because they all four members have a lot going on heading to this pay-per-view cycle and um i i, I think they continue to really be elevated as like what the principal act on this show or at least sort of like the nucleus that all the baby faces are kind of working around so um this was cool did we need to talk a bit more about the Champa um, return? I didn't have a whole lot to add to it. He came back. Okay. He had a quick win, and he's a babyface. And yeah, that's it. I, Something like this told me that, like, um, under Hunter, he's not feeding with the Miz. You know, like based off of their program, like they were tag team partners for a long, long time. And I'm positive at the end of that entire tag team run, they were supposed to work a significant program together. Under Triple H, Miz has really been nothing more than just this sort of like, you know, low card, like beat me so that you can look good type of guy. Um, And he did not want to waste Ciampa's time with him at all. And I think it's probably the better decision. Miz has become so low on the card that any extended amount of time for Ciampa, even if he was supposed to win the feud at the end of it, would have risked how people would have looked at him. So I'm curious to see where they go with Ciampa from now. Clearly, they've tease something with gargano welcoming a, a, another member we'll see how how early they they get to it I, are you surprised we didn't see johnny gargano tonight in Cleveland? yes i thought in cleveland that tonight i mean we had 
some people throw out the idea like he would have been a name you could have used for the open challenge but they had that angle but to just have some um appearance from gargano it's a very easy pop in cleveland but have not gone that way and it's sort of like just been sidelined that that whole entire group Mm -hmm. yeah they recap the bloodline angle from smackdown and tee up the main event the bloodline civil war which i think is just such an awesome title for that match for Mm -hmm. money in the bank the poster looks great the angle was phenomenal um i i just feel like they um this is just a feels like a giant match for money in the bank huge match yeah i mean it's bigger than other than the money in the bank matches which which i think always have some interest i think i mean it's your biggest match on the show i i i am way more interested in this than anything else on the card but Mm -hmm. it looks like a very good show like you're gonna have that awesome crowd and everything on the show looks very strong as of as of now probably main main events right i mean it's hard for me to think of roman reigns match doesn't main event yes i would put this on last yes same at that unique time. So mm-hmm. they'll probably get into the ring around six. They had a series of TikTok videos of Chelsea Green being Chelsea Green at a restaurant, at the gym, and then getting out of her car in traffic and throwing her coffee at like someone's window. You should not do this under no. any circumstances. Not at all. Um, this was interesting. I mean, I, I thought, first of all, it was very well done, looked very authentic. Um, TikTok and, uh, I thought it was very effective as an introductory piece for this Chelsea Green character, except we're like five months or something like into this this run right now. And I'm they I'm not exactly everyone that she's this she's Karen. A... Oh, OK, well, um, I, I guess I'm, I'm not exactly sure what it was intended to do at this point, because it didn't seem to build to any sort of program involving anybody. It's perhaps a framework that they can continue using so that next week, if we get these sort of updates, maybe they'll springboard into some sort of feud. But just seeing them, I mean, it was kind of like cool visually, but I don't know how much it really elevated Chelsea. I thought that this was going to set up uh, Hulk Hogan coming out and telling everyone the dangers of it's not the actions of Chelsea Green, but rather don't get filmed acting like that on, on camera. That's the lesson that you take away from such an incident. Of course. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think they'll be doing that. <laughs> Kelsey green and Sonia took on Katana chance and Caden Carter. Um, <laughs> two minutes here. Um, they won with the after party, which is their reverse neck breaker four fifty combo. Um, fine they- match. Is that, can a two minute match be fine? It was, I didn't have a, a lot of opinions about some of these matches that were just so brief until we got into like the, uh, the, the meat of the show later. Yeah. Well, this, this really wasn't meant to be much beyond, I think a way to, again, just push, you know, Carter and chance as, as an act on, on the show reaction to the match was, as you would expect, very cold. And I think that's largely due to just uh, the women's division, not being hot and therefore people not caring so much about the outcome of these sort of matches. They just don't feel like they're big enough. Um, it just does not doesn't feel important to the show, but I think Chance and Carter are doing great. I think they have really good looking double team offense, a style that's very different from anybody else in the division, and I almost kind of see them getting pushed if if they want to as like a female version of the Hardy Boys, where I just think there's so much potential in their in ring style, especially for their connection to like you know a younger audience. So they just need the right feud, and they need teams in this division. The Party Girls. The party, the party girls. Perfect. Yes. Cody comes party, out. There's already a hardy party. Well, they, um, they're the, 
They're the after party. Yeah. Okay. The after hardy party. Cody comes out in his interview by Kathy Kelly, literally to accept the challenge from Judgment Day. But the crowd was super hot for Cody all night long. Finally, the main event that everyone was awaiting weeks for Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin against Indusheer. And dude, to Benjamin and Cedric, they got to the arena. They're like, finally, we get our tag match with them. And they looked at the their time allotment, two minutes and nine seconds. Well, these guys, they were going to try and cram as much as they could into uh, these two minutes and nine seconds. They uh, Sanga gets hit with this flying knee from Shelton Benjamin like he was a uh, Cal Luno going after BJ Penn. And then there's a two-on-one on Veer. They take turns knocking Sanga off the apron until Veer uh, hits a leaping splash onto Shelton. Sanga then grabs Alexander on, and uh, drops him on the barricade. And Sanga holds Benjamin for their double-team finisher, which is Veer coming off the middle rope with an elbow and uh, pins him in two minutes and nine seconds, as I mentioned. A... A real basic tag team against two guys that I thought worked really hard in two minutes and nine seconds that are just cannon fodder for Sanga and Veer. Yeah. Um, I I thought I mean it's been like three weeks now that we've you know built up to this moment, and I I don't necessarily think that you've advanced this year that that much more. I they come across to be like a pretty generic big man team at the moment. Their offense isn't really all that special. Um, the act itself with Ginger kind of doing you know the it's hard for me to take Ginger Mahal seriously as like you know the cold sort of like stoic type of guy at this point. Um. And this I is also, so robotic, this presentation. Like, yeah. if you were watching NXT, like, I'm not saying Songa was this breakout star, but he was so entertaining in those mm-hmm. backstage segments as the best friend of yeah. Valentina and Leon. Like, just this guy that was just always... Yeah, like, personality. Super, yeah, he's got a ton of personality. Veer is... I mean, the the singles push wasn't knocking anyone dead either. But as like, here's this guy with like this great backstory as a baseball player who had a movie made about him. Mm-hmm. And I watch this presentation, and it just feels like such a dated view of a of an Indian act that is just like without any kind of original thought attached to it. You you have so many of these acts, or like even like I mean, they're just like they're ver- a new version of the Viking Raiders, except Indian. Um, and I I think now you need to either be exceptional in ring to be able to make an act like that work, or you have to be really really big, or you have to be able to you know have a different unique type of character. And I think in twenty twenty three, they could have a lot more unique creative um, potential than just being generic guys who beat people up really quickly. And they made us wait three weeks for this. I mean, not that satisfying, I would say. So there's a, a PA with a uh, cold water that, uh, Oh man, I keep doing this where I, I miss, I missed the, uh, the Owens and Zane segment uh, earlier. Yeah. That was uh, earlier where Owens doesn't want to hear about the bloodline when Saxton asks them about the, the breakup and Zane tells Owens that he's a rageaholic. He's got an anger problem, and Owens denies this, and Zane challenges him to go the rest of the night without having a tantrum. And if he does have a tantrum, he has to admit that there's something going on. And if not, Zane will drop this. Mm-hmm. So essentially, they're doing this story where Owens is like this caged animal all night, so when he finally gets tagged into the match, the place explodes because he gets to let out all of his aggression. You're saying they're doing this whole shtick to build up to the hot tags in the main events. That's what it felt that? like this show was. 
I I just don't I don't know if the audience necessarily connected like the 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 Owens hot tech to the start of this entire angle. I don't Um, know if they connected the two, but I think that's sort of what they are trying to they at least tried to build around here. This idea that this guy is on edge constantly and then he gets into the ring and he gets to just unleash. Mm. Does it work for you? I guess it depends if you enjoy like the the tantrums like Owens is very entertaining. I'm not liking them. Like it's a rare sort of like Kevin Owens thing. I'm not really enjoying. They just feel so like cartoonish and just forced, you know, at this point, I think they want to add an element of like what worked with team. Hell no for these guys. I think that's yeah. what they're looking for here is like just some yeah. more character stuff. And I, I don't think this is the worst idea. I don't know if it's everyone's cup of tea. Mm. Yeah. And it's a chance to do vignettes with them throughout the night. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously like always the potential of some sort of like breakup between these two that's that's always going to be teased because that just seems to be their natural state at some point that you know they're going to break up well pa walks into owens with water and owens remains calm and says i don't have an anger problem i have an idiot problem and they run into matt riddle and riddle asks kevin owens if he's been watching honey i shrunk the kids and little giants Movies that are about 30 years old, at least. And Owens yells, but then catches himself and walks away. So don't ask him about Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis films. Mm. Uh, I've never seen Little Giants. It's okay. Yeah. I watched it when I was, I don't know, it came out like 94 or something. So Mm. Logan Paul is seated on a ladder inside of the ring and he plugs Ohio for the cheap pop And he said that he sees kids out there full of ambition with untapped potential. The best people in the world come from Cleveland, like LeBron James, Jerry Lawler, and Logan Paul. But he's getting quite the mixed reaction, even by sucking up to the crowd. And then says the moment that made him great was leaving Cleveland and pursued his dreams in Hollywood while you guys froze in the winter. It smells here. The Browns still suck. Don't boo me because I'm the best thing you guys have. And there's something wrong, though. Here in Cleveland, we can't stop losing, including my brother who just lost his last fight, uh, me at WrestleMania. But he's going to put the city on his back and restore the city's name by having his name added to the Money in the Bank ladder match. He's going to win the briefcase and then take whatever title he wants. Um, So he has added himself to the ladder match. No qualifier for this guy. I can buy that like in story. I mean, Logan Paul is at such a, you know, higher star level that they would have just pushed him up there. So I would say that this certainly does uh, present like a great candidate to potentially win this thing. Like he's my favorite, you know, I know everyone is clamoring for like LA night here, but I mean, honestly, if you want to like take this more seriously, like Logan Paul would be probably the best person to win this. Yeah, I, I think I had like suggested like or at least the idea had come to mind that, oh, man, like could Logan Paul win the money in the bank? Um, Not knowing that they would have had an extra spot for him. But um, if the guy is available, 100 percent, you give him the money in the bank as a, a device to constantly threaten like, you know, Logan Paul entering the world title picture at any moment. 
it's a prop that he can use in all of his other obligations. It can sit on set for his podcast. Like he oh, can dude, use it. It's going to totally remake the briefcase to have like the prime logo overall. <laughs> that would be the greatest heat ever. Absolutely. Yeah. The prime money in the bank. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Like he can prime use it in, money all, in the bank. all of his social media, prime in the bank, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It also, it, it has the, like the guy's going to disappear. So it's like, it's going to be like surprise appearances yeah. that you don't, have to do the te- the weekly tease of the briefcase because he's not going to be around every week um, it keeps I, I think relevant is- throughout the year and at any point you're almost like assured that you're going to get a logan paul title run mm-hmm. i think this it would have the history with both champions with rollins with reigns um yeah i just think there's a lot to having logan paul plus he'll be great in the ladder match i think this is going to be a really great match um that mm-hmm. you know these individuals are going to have so and a very good promo that that he cut here ricochet comes out and says he's the reason logan paul went viral at the royal rumble with their spot and ricochet is going to walk out as the winner and then it was just a procession of all the guys in the match nakamura comes out la knight comes out and runs down logan paul as a guy making videos for 14 year old girls and i've got a map here of where you can shove that can of prime which logan paul is drinking as they're all cutting their promos and then escobar was out followed by Butch, who didn't get any microphone time. And he, <laughs> Logan says he doesn't even know who that is as Butch attacks Paul and everyone fights. And Logan is left alone in the ring and lands this incredible Topecon hero with the rotation he got on this thing and then climbs the ladder to pose and end the segment. And was, I mean, LA Knight was, uh, I guess, like number two. But in terms of just star power, I mean, Logan Paul to me just dwarfed everyone here completely as i think is the intended effect here again like i i I, this guy's great he's a clear favorite to win this thing and it's not at this point even just a celebrity like who doesn't deserve it he is a good enough worker that he's more than capable of like you know like he'd be a great champion and i'm not even like just saying you know uh lowering my my sort of standards for a celebrity he'd be but period be like a great champion to ice this title that is supposed to be the workers title he'll be taking it away from all the people you you built to a great rematch with seth rollins um and so you know well, who knows whatever like main events you know down the line as well so looking at this picture we have damian priest butch santos escobar la knight uh shintake nakamura logan paul and ricochet i mean priest and Logan Paul, is there anybody else who's a candidate? Um, I mean, you, you certainly, I, I think like the crowd's going to be super hot for LA Knight. Um, but he won't win. No, um, probably not. Um, but they will certainly tease it. Who do you I, see I as a future he, world champion, basically? Yeah. I, I feel like the night of, like, you will have, like, spots designed for Ricochet, for, for Escobar that, I mean, listen, you, you've you seen, like, Austin Theory win this thing. Like, you can make your arguments for anybody and that you failed. Want. It did, but, I mean, there's been plenty of guys that have won this that you would, uh, going into it, like, was anyone picking Baron Corbin to, to win it, for instance? So, I, I'm all I'm saying is I think, like, you can certainly look at the, a logical pick, and it doesn't always mean the logical pick wins this. I think Knight will gain plenty of just, you know, from from the crowd reaction, which at this point is almost guaranteed that he becomes like the biggest baby face coming out of the show. Even tonight, the big promo he cut felt very much like a baby face promo. Um, Santos, you know, is kind of doing the LWO thing. But I think without Ray or Dominic, it it's not necessarily that 
big of a deal, but he'll hopefully have a good good performance. Ricochet, you can always count on for something like that. But Ricochet and, and, and Nakamura are going to break off with something with Reed. Priest, I think, is supposed to be like, you know, your most dominant guy. Uh, probably somebody who's also going like I, I mean maybe an unequal chance of, of of a Logan Paul to win, but I so much more upside in my opinion for Money in the Bank on Logan Paul because he's a heel because of the sort of like you know keeps him relevant throughout the year. He, he could take it on all of his mainstream media appearances. So yeah. After that segment, it was Matt Riddle against Ludwig Kaiser with um, a pretty enjoyable match that they had here. Nine and a half minutes that they went and Riddle. Uh, after the commercial break, uh, he had been distracted by Gunther and chop blocked by Kaiser, but then he's already making his comeback by the time the uh, the commercial ends. So he hits a floating bro to the floor and then a head kick flying knee combo and Riddle comes off the ropes. It appeared he was going for this tornado DDT. I don't know what ended up happening and the announcers were so confused and Ludwig ends up on top of him for the cover and it was just this very a glaring spot in the middle of this that seemed just to be off. And then Riddle... Um, as Ludwig is going for a European uppercut off the turnbuckle, he is caught in midair with a German suplex and follows that with the bro Derek in 914 as Riddle gets the victory and sort of feels like this um, baby face that really doesn't have anything that he's attached to. There's no program going on. He's got Gunther. His, yeah, um, he's got the Gunther match, which to me, it just feels like it's, it's a TV match that they get to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just, like he has these good matches. It just feels as though he's sort of in this transitional point where I don't know where they necessarily, where they're comfortable going with him. Like, do they want to make him this serious character? Do we want to still maintain like the, like the segment with Owens and Zane? Like we've seen him snap and take out Vinci, but then we're doing the goofy stuff with Owens and Zane. It seems like mm-hmm. each week it's like, wh- wh- what way do we want to go with Riddle? Well, um, I feel like that was an attempt to make Riddle more serious. And I just don't know with like the way he speaks and and, like the the game being serious necessarily works for him. Like you can only take him so seriously when, when I think his natural state is to like talk like a, 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 you know, bro, like, you know, like, like surfer type of dude. Um, I think it might take a heel turn to, to like give us a drastic change, but I don't even know what a heel Matt Riddle at this point would look like. It, It would feel, it would feel so different. Um, he seems to me like you know on this on the status of like a of a higher version of a Chad Gable, uh, no pun intended. Um, where I I think you can rely on on him for TV programs and to bridge people over to the next pay per view, but I don't know if you necessarily put him as like a main event level pay per view contender anytime soon. His best thing to come around would be this Imperium feud continuing, and eventually, like you get the the Randy comeback. And that's yeah. that's mm-hmm. a big match for Randy. And then you have another like top shelf tag team that you can go in in a lot of directions with. But man, we're we're at over a year since we have seen Randy Orton at this yeah. point. Um, so the pose match, Gunther enters the ring, trips up Riddle, and then they destroy his ankle. So obviously, at some point, it will be Gunther and Riddle. Um, I imagine that being more raw though than uh, than Money in the Bank or or anything. Hmm. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. 
planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. So Seth Rollins, despite being uh, destroyed in this first segment, he will make it to the Pat McAfee show tomorrow at 1220. And yes, we will get an update on his status on the Pat McAfee show later in the program. Riddle is limping to the trainer's backstage. And so part of you is thinking, like, where were his pals, Owens and Zane, that he had just uh, hung out with like two segments before? And if you weren't supposed to, like, um, think about that, we cut to Owens and Zane in the very next segment and Gunther and Kaiser appear and they warn the two of them. Uh, what happened to Riddle could happen to you. And Owens just explains that Kaiser is too long winded and Zane cuts him off pointing to his phone, the bat phone um, that they have a message as they are off to take care of this business. So I thought this segment was going to like Owens and Zane would be like, no, we didn't see what happened to Riddle to give an explanation of why they didn't come out to help their friend. But we didn't get that explanation yeah they're not very good friends that's literally two seconds that you could have explained where were owens and zane to fight to fend off at the very least these guys (laughs) that you've been feuding with in in imperium even if owens is annoyed at this riddle guy they should have shown like owens like watching honey i shrunk the kids or something they could have been in front of a screen and be like oh oh that's who the giants were yeah Mm -hmm. they didn't Uh, do that yeah they're not very good friends i would say i hope they text riddle if we've learned anything this week maybe they maybe they had a bad signal like cody they got a text from cody yeah but when did cody send that like the challenge was issued like 45 minutes before and he's just getting the message now they might have canadian cell phone plans they might be roaming this entire time you're right and we all know about rogers you know rogers yeah blame rogers alpha academy they were training maxine earlier in the day training her to do suplexes and we would see how how her form would look against the viking raiders so Otis uh, runs into Ivar and he goes for the Caterpillar, but Eric gets involved and this allows Ivar to land a spin kick. And then Otis reverses suplexing Ivar. Gable and Eric come in and Ivar is clotheslined to the floor. Gable hits an exploder. And this crowd was really behind Gable, who then follows with a moonsault to the floor onto both members of the Viking Raiders. Dude, Gable is spectacular to watch in these matches. Part of me wonders, it's like, man, this guy is going to kill himself in these just forgettable television matches but you watch this guy it's like he just crams like a a kurt angle match into four minutes uh for his hot tag um valhalla gets onto the apron so maxine's big spot is yanking her down and hitting a vertical suplex so these matches are now just a showcase for maxine and valhalla and this allows eric to take the distracted gable with a full nelson and then drives his knee into the back and pins gable in 414 ensuring at least another six weeks of these matches (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And maybe ne- next week, Maxine will, um, I, you know, deliver like a big stat mare, you know, something like that. I, it's 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 an act that um, I'm not necessarily a fan of, you know, seeing the, uh, the Alpha Academy just like continue to do these sort of like comedic things in the back. Um, but that's but it works with this audience. They reacted big for this Maxine Superplex. So they'll drag this thing out and uh, we'll see uh, what moves she learns next week. Gable just he looked great in this as short as this was like he did stand out quite a bit in the four minutes they had Dominic says that all of Judgment Day we're all on the same page right and Balor gives his look to Priest and just says we're cool so keeping that that rift alive 
And Ripley has her own business to take care of with Natalia, the big anticipated rematch from Night of Champions, where Natalia is interviewed and says that Night of Champions rocked her to her core. She's unsure how she fits in. And tonight is a second chance to prove she belongs and prove to herself that she still belongs. I'm really curious as to know what they have in store for this Natalia makeover. Like they're certainly like building this up. Like it's going to be something significant. So she's going to declare herself for the Owen Hart cup. That would be drastic. Um, But like, what are we going to see? Like how, how is she going to like, is she going to go goth? (laughs) Um. Yeah, that that that's one chance. That's one potential. Maybe she'll join Isla Dawn and Elba Fire. <laughs> what is this new Natalia gimmick? Like, I have to know just because of the track record. You know, like how are they going to remake Natalia? Um, I'm sure she's taking uh, opinions from multiple people. How okay. how will she remake herself? That's that's what this feels like. Like a, a character transformation of of some sorts. Yeah. So Ripley just jumps her at the entrance, sends her into the steps, and hits a riptide. So the match never begins. The referees are out. So this is uh, this is our Indusheer Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, the women's version. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Kathy Kelly, very busy on this show, interviews Raquel Rodriguez, who puts over Trish as a legend. But what Rhea Ripley did out there is just not okay. And with that, Ripley walks in, and Raquel says, "You better hope I don't win this qualifier because you're not ready." For Raquel Rodriguez, so a, a call back here to their uh, their their NXT program and something for down the road if they truly get serious about Raquel Rodriguez, which they protected her to to a, a degree. She has not she has not become Tegan Knox on the main roster. So, mm. um, and that's the thing. It's it feels as though Ripley they have certainly made a star over this last year, but a lot of the women's division, it's like the the established talent and then all these other new names or faces that have been around for a long time that have not been able to cross that, that line. Like Mm. Liv Morgan was getting there, but I Mm. think it was sort of hit and miss depending on the week. The list of like potential opponents you either have for a Rhea Ripley or, um, or even Oscar, you know, on SmackDown is very short outside of, you know, the, the, the former champions, the core. Yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, even for Ripley, though, it took a while to really get there, right? And she was already coming in from NXT incredibly hot. Um, but it wasn't really until they've kind of, she kind of found her own thing here where she was really taken to the next level. And you would hope the same for any number of these women, especially Rhea, uh, Raquel. But I thought tonight was really good. You know, I think the most impressive thing about this rivalry is the fact that visually, I mean, Raquel is the only person Rhea Ripley has to look up to in order to, um, you know, uh, go, go eye to eye with. And, and that alone, I think, is at least enough to build a match between these two, even in the immediate future. Greatness is within reach. Remember that? Remember that maybe whole John, uh, John maybe Rhea's going to invest in those Darby Allen shoes for next week and we'll be eye to eye with her. Oh, what? Darby Allen was wearing like... Remember those shoes he had on that MJF pointed out a few weeks ago? Oh, I, um, not not really actually, but okay. He's wearing like these heels on, on oh. TV. Hmm. Yeah. Cody Rhodes is warming up and Akira Tozawa walks in and offers his services to be his tag partner tonight. Cody says, I'll take it under advisement and compliments him on his, his dyed blonde hair, which was a nice touch. Zane and Owens come in. We got your text and said, you helped us on the road to WrestleMania. We've got your back. And Cody explains Tozawa just offered to help. And Owens is upset that they were too late. 
Cody's like, I'm not teaming with that guy. He was a ninja. And you're, I couldn't ask for two better partners. So poor mm-hmm. Tozawa, just totally forgotten here. Is a ninja I, at the end better? of this segment? I wanted an impromptu Cody Akira Tozawa match, uh, just a throwaway match on Raw <laughs> next week. Why not? I bet you the match would be awesome. If, if I bet it would be awesome for the six minutes that they would get. That's it. Like a yeah. top of the hour match. Yeah. Why not? Winner has to dye their hair black back. I don't think we're getting any stiff. Maybe l- loser has to, like, uh, Kira's got to get a tattoo. Ooh, okay. Yes, I like it. Um, Yeah, fine. Qualifying match. Raquel Rodriguez against Trish Stratus. Trish is out with Zoe Stark. And Trish does a promo stating that she's going to win money in the bank and then looks at Zoe. What well, one of us is going to win just as long as it isn't Becky Lynch. So in this match, it seemed like uh, Trish had uh, just an unbelievable amount of confidence in Raquel Rodriguez to just do anything. Just throw me around. Just they did like the China Terry Runnell spot with the bear hug where she was just swinging Trish in this bear hug. And then Trish slaps her and eventually Raquel missed running her shoulder into the buckle. Trish hits a tornado DDT, kicks Raquel in the ribs and then wraps Raquel's hair around the turnbuckle. But Raquel powers off, goes for a buckle bomb, which Trish turns into a head scissors. Like, honestly, I thought Trish played like a great like underdog babyface at parts of this match because she was just so undersized but used her speed to get the better of the monster here in Raquel and then fish hooks Raquel this was not very babyface like which they called the Trish hook and Raquel gets out of that with a side slam and then Raquel hits snake eyes and kills Trish with this clothesline it was the hardest clothesline you would see on raw and then throws her for this fall away slam where Trish came down on her ankle from this goes to the floor. And then Zoe sweeps Raquel's leg on the apron and Trish runs her into the post for a two count. This prompts Becky Lynch to run down attacking Zoe. So as Trish goes after Becky, Becky sends Trish into the guardrail and the ref calls for the DQ. Not in the ring. This is, I don't know if this is the the consistency factor we see of some of these DQs, but Trish wins by DQ and therefore gets into the money in the bank ladder match. 553, and then Becky has to plead her case to Raquel of what she was trying to do. For a DQ finish, I, I actually thought like this did work of how Trish like maneuvers herself into the match. And Becky in her promo later will ex- like, she has put all of her enemies, including damage control into this match. And she doesn't exactly have an ally either in Zelina Vega. So this is really Becky Lynch against the numbers game. Like here are four people she has feuded with over the last year, plus Zelina. In mm. this. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, this does add your your big women's program. Uh, you have all the components now in this ladder match with Zoe, Trish, and Becky. And and Trish is just, you know, the, the, one of the biggest stars you have in the division as well to put on the show. So, And you've never seen her in a match like like this. Like, True. Like yeah. a ladder match. I thought the finish was really clever. You know, protects Raquel and gets Trish into the match in sort of like a chicken shit heel type of way. I thought the match itself was... And, and it was... didn't make uh, Raquel... Sorry, Dintra. It didn't make mm-hmm. Raquel look like the like the dumb baby face who got herself yeah. disqualified. Like, it was mm-hmm. just... It was, it, well, it, it was a way to certainly keep Raquel protected and... And do a DQ finish that to me wasn't an insulting DQ finish. And this doesn't look like it's, you know, it's a direction they're going. But if they wanted to, they could have really springboarded to a Raquel versus Becky match. Well, not necessarily turning Raquel for that reason. 
I mean, coming out of this, you could have teased a Raquel versus Becky program, and they did tease a Raquel versus Rhea program. So I thought this was productive for Raquel, despite her not necessarily winning nor getting into the match. It was productive for Trish because she got in as well. Productive for Becky because, you know, it, it continues to stack the odds against her for money in the bank. Um, and yeah, I thought it was good booking all around. Who's your, who would be the favorite in this one among the six? There is six in this, right? Yes. Um, for this they're one, doing Bailey and Shotzi on SmackDown this week for her. Spot. Bailey Shotzi. Okay, interesting. I think I I don't think Becky like is is a money. No, well, she could. But I does mean, anyone in that program need the briefcase? I would say Becky. No. No. Trish could. Trish. It's actually better heat if Zoe wins it. Um. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but I can I, also I, see this reserved for like EO as well. Yeah. Like I think I think my favorite would be Eo just because she's already on the cusp of like you know that next level. Um, I think if she won it as a heel who kind of turns babyface in the process and has Bailey become jealous of her for holding the briefcase, I think that's a great way to continue that little story. Then uh, Kathy Kelly interviews Braun Breaker, who was brought to Raw, and it is unknown if Seth Rollins will be able to compete tomorrow because of the injury from Finn Balor, and Breaker says that surely Seth won't use tonight as some kind of excuse after Rollins talks such a big game about being the workhorse. I've been waiting for this opportunity, and what happened to him tonight is nothing compared to what I'll do to Seth Rollins, and maybe the doctors can prescribe him enough courage to show up on Tuesday and I could get used, you should get used to seeing this face on Raw because I'm coming back as the world heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Braun's first promo as a heel on Raw, I thought he sounded really good. You know, the transformation he's made from like sort of like a Scott Steiner's Rick Steiner clone baby face to this heel character. I mean, it feels so different and I'm liking it a lot. It's serious, sounded kind of sadistic here and doesn't necessarily just come across to me as a generic heel. I thought he sounded good here. I really enjoyed the Braun Breaker heel run. Like he, to me, had very little transition in terms of just really like finding his voice as as a heel and did did a fine job as the babyface as well. But I think this this extra time to just hone in on the, this heel run, like he truly does feel ready. Um, mm-hmm. But I also don't mind him being separate from the draft that he gets, you know, a special call up on its own at some point. And it would seem... It would seem to be like after the Seth match, I don't know how much is really left for him at this point at NXT, but we've been how, saying that. How do you book the match tomorrow? I think it's almost, it's hard to imagine Finn not getting involved in some way. Right. Okay. After it, like the whole story was no one's going to beat him for that title except me. Now that does present like a creative way. You have to get around that with, with breaker being a heel and all of this, but I see that being an out that they can get to as well. Hmm. You yeah, could also I'm... like if you have the idea as well that Braun is wrapping up in NXT, you could also do a clean finish with with Seth. I don't think it's that harmful for Braun either if he's sort of losing to like an injured that. Seth Rollins though. They've been protective of, of of Braun relatively, you know, and and I I could I I don't know if they would go there, but you're right they could. Well, you do a Balor as sort of your your buffer if you want to get around that. Saxton speaks to Becky, "What happened out there?" She says, "I screwed myself." Or did I? Because now I've put Trish in a ladder match with me. But she outlines the enemy she has in this match. And I could go down in a blaze of glory at Money in the Bank. But if I do, I'm taking Trish and Zoe Stark with me. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of doom being forecasted for this Money in the Bank between uh, funerals and going out in a blaze of glory. This is going to be quite the um, eventful show. 
Shinsuke Nakamura and Bronson Reed as we get the continuation, they say, of this three-way feud where two of them are in Money in the Bank and one of them is not. The guy who just keeps beating the others. So uh, Reed takes a, a sliding German and then Ricochet appears and Reed hits the Cyclone Slam onto Nakamura. Nakamura tries for a triangle. That's turned into a powerbomb. And then Reed hits a shoulder tackle. And then Ricochet is on the floor. And as Reed throws Nakamura at him, this time Ricochet is ready and gets up from his chair. And Reed goes to strike Ricochet, who then gets up on the apron. Nakamura runs into Ricochet by mistake. And a suplex leads to the tsunami in 825. So Bronson wins. Nakamura loses and uh, Bronson will be a, well, he's not in this ladder match. He's not. No. Um, Too bad. He's not Logan Paul. um, Doesn't have his own media empire. Um, I think it's been a good build to a three way that is not happening on this pay-per-view. It's not that like, you know, Ricochet and Nakamura had a great chance to begin with uh, as like contenders for this money in the bank. But I think this feud has actually really taken the edge off of the two of them as actual contenders in the match. You know, coming out of this, they are not going to be world title contenders. They're not going to hold the money in the bank briefcase. So I guess it's it's fine um, for a TV program, but I do feel like they could have done more with Nakamura and Ricochet in the build up to this money in the bank. Yeah, I mean... It keeps these three busy. It's uh, it's not like to me some like outstanding program of, of such. But tsunami is getting over. Like uh, it, it's always to. been over. Like it's a yeah. really impressive visual move for 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 Reed. Who, quite frankly, when I look at this lineup, I I would have swapped Reed for uh, Nakamura in this match. Like had that having mm-hmm. that big base. Like you put Reed into that match, it's that much more impressive to me. Or like, you put Reed in there and take Butch out. I mean, I know Butch is like, you know, it's I think they but... want Butch for the the location of where they are having that hometown favorite. Yeah, um, I get it. Home country. So Rollins provides an update. He got x-rays on his ribs, but I don't care what the doctors tell me. I'll see Braun Breaker tomorrow night for the title match. And as for Finn Balor, that's the version of Finn that beat me seven years ago. And money in the bank can't come soon enough. He was really understanding of having like a serious rib injury from this guy. Yeah, like, he... I'd be a little more upset. But then the bigger news, Kevin Patrick confirms he'll still be on Pat McAfee tomorrow at 1220. Okay. <laughs> we'll see if he sells the ribs. That should hurt doing that fake laugh with bruised ribs, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, maybe he'll wear a suit with like tape over the suit. Okay. I, I hope it means the end of the fake laugh. If he's got his ribs injured, he's kind of, he's kind of moved on from it a bit in this. In this, not character. completely. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll find out if maybe that maybe this is it for him. It'd be a permanent injury for him. His uh his his whole you know chest cavity was compromised uh, with this coup de grace. Final match of the night: Cody Rhodes, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn against Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio. Ripley clotheslines Zane from the apron, setting up the commercial break, and they get the heat on Zane. He's crawling for the tag. Dom stops it. This crowd was so heated in this match. And when Zane tags Owens, all of that aggression from all those vignettes all night had been bottling up, and this crowd exploded. They were living vicariously through their spirit animal, Kevin Owens, who was going to get out all of his anger by this hot tag. By the way, by the way, so he did freak out. So what is the like? What's the result of that bet? It was um. You have to acknowledge I'm onto something. Okay. So Kevin Owens can say, "Yeah, you're right." God, does this end in a Doctor Shelby skit? 
they even made that joke on the on the show. Graves said, "I hope this isn't going towards uh, Doctor Shelby or something like that." That's mm-hmm. that's totally what you felt. And the comparison to Team Hell No is like he's got to go to anger management. Which, I, I, again, these these two are very talented in like uh, taking mm-hmm. lemons and making lemonade. But uh, anger management would be, um, yeah, certainly that that would be a task. I feel like those segments are like really like well remembered <laughs> by people. Oh, they, dude, the Brian and Kane ones were excellent. Like if they could replicate yeah. that, sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So then uh, Kevin Owens goes for a cannonball, and as he's about to hit this, they're in Cleveland, and Corey Graves yells out, "This one's for you, Biggins!" In reference to Chandler Biggins, who was um, the promoter uh, of AI wrestling, of Absolute Intense Wrestling, who died exactly five years ago today and they were based out of cleveland so it was this crazy this anniversary and they're in the city and uh, owens like that was um you know a company he was very attached to and had um you know i believe written a tribute about chandler biggins when when, when he died so Mm. it was someone that obviously had a a big impact on his independent career as well so that was a a a cool shout out that graves worked in here um and man, this the as loud as they were for Owens, they were that much more when Cody finally gets the tag. The place explodes. He's in with Priest. He's going through a power slam, disaster kick, and then Ripley gets onto the apron to stop the momentum. Leads to a south of heaven, and Zayn is in for the save. Ripley stands up to Zayn, who then you think he's going to run and nail Ripley, but dives over her with a Topekan hero onto Dominic. Cody Cutter follows, and everyone thinks it's over. Priest kicks out. Huge reaction. Dom breaks up another cover, and as he goes for the 619, Zane cuts off Dominic with a lariat. Haluva kick is delivered to Dom. Owens hits the stunner, and then Cody with the crossroads on Priest to win in 13 minutes and 32 seconds. This six-man was awesome. It It was was such a great match. This was a red-hot crowd, and man, this was just fired on all cylinders i just love this match yeah this was one of the louder reactions to a wwe oh. tv match i've heard in some time you know yes especially like coming back from a commercial i don't know what they did during that commercial break but this crowd like they took them to a huge level after that it was the uh, rageaholic getting that tag that was all the man, segments they all yeah, got that right. release that communal True. release mm-hmm. Um, Judgment Day, I think, are fantastic heels. I mean, at this point, in ring as well, but especially, you know, as characters, every one of them has a unique identity. All of them are capable of generating a great deal of heat. All four members played a pivotal role here. Um, And I guess of the three of them that were wrestling Priest this week, I suppose, was the one that they felt could afford the loss the most. Um, It's interesting how they all kind of, like, exchange, like, who takes the pinfall depending on the month. Sometimes it's Dominic. Sometimes it's Balor. And this week happened to be Priest because Balor and Dominic are both involved in big singles programs themselves. It won't hurt any of them in the least, um, but what it did provide was a wonderful wrestling match. There's really something special about this Cody, Sammy, Kevin Owens trio tandem and i'm almost a little bit disappointed that they didn't continue that association after wrestlemania in fact like tonight was kind of presented as like a one night only special attraction type of thing hey remember when you helped us at wrestlemania we owe you one um i would love to see these three continue to stick around as like you know like a a little mini faction i'm not saying they have to you know come out and match in gear or anything but a trio's division like it's like their version of cfm uh, uh, cmftr where like you could do these big trios matches that could be promoted as big deals without necessarily sacrificing your big singles and tag matches. So 
I think they I think they can go and and do those. And I just like when when you have like the right mix, like a great six man, it's like mm-hmm. as we saw on Saturday, like that was yep. a great main event that they had. And then tonight, um, man, it's just like there's there's a lot of just like it's you know, it was it was like the hallmark of like all Japan was like, yeah, we can we can do the big Budokan main event, but we can do all these incredible tags and six mans and have all these mixtures in there. It advances all of these multiple stories that mm-hmm. all these guys have going on. I just thought this was uh, just a fantastic, fantastic main event uh, enough that I left like with a pretty positive feeling uh, of raw be just this main event alone. You know, what, what, what if this main event did not exist? How would you? Um, I, I would say it was a show of like some pretty like they, it, this wasn't as bad as SmackDown, but it is like it does seem like they are cutting down on like in ring time, like Riddle and Kaiser got like a bit uh, in comparison, but it's just a lot of short matches. And you really do feel it on like three hours where like sometimes you'll get those two or three segment matches and, and they can drag like you have mm-hmm. the other extreme. Um, but tonight I would say like there was certainly. Like I can't say Ciampa's return was something I don't know how many people remembered by the end of the show. It wasn't a big impactful one. And I don't know if Ciampa was necessarily going to be a big impactful return. And I guess you got storyline um, things in terms of Logan Paul and Trish being added to the respective ladder matches. Logan Paul was great on, on this show as well. Mm. I, I liked Raw, but you take out the main event and my opinion goes a lot lower. <laughs> It's it's one you could very much whittle down to, you know, maybe a half hour viewing and, and leave it at, at the main event, leave it at the Logan Paul segment. Um, the 90 minute Hulu Raw. Great. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, and this year. That happened. Yeah. Big payoff okay. on that mm-hmm. one. Let's go. Uh, Muggin. Normally, I'd roll my eyes at a bait and switch, but Finn jumping Seth put a ton of heat on him and added some personal stakes. As far as tomorrow's title match against Braun Breaker goes, I got Ilya getting his receipt for the week before. Um, that's right. So like Ilya Dragunov has the program going on with Braun Breaker. You could certainly get get him involved a- as well, too. Um, mm-hmm. Especially like sometimes you can like having that uh, Seth Rollins, like also endorse another baby face like that could be beneficial as well. It's like they clear the ring or something and then it's Ilya and Seth um he'll conduct the seth rollins uh theme sing-along oh that's a that's a good spot for the end of the night like that crowd's gonna lose their minds for seth rollins i mean it's the easiest crowd in the world but they'll be on extra high on tuesday hey we have a oh sorry sorry there's a few more points there from muggin uh i didn't get gargano appearing in his hometown but champa showing up was the next best thing and it tied up the loose end of that odd couple pairing with miz last year yes they they really did tie that up no text message once again, the roadrunner, Trish, eludes the coyote, Becky. Unless something happens on Friday, the women's money in the bank is Becky versus the world. Um, thinks that Ricochet takes on Logan coming out of money in the bank. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see Maxine, Alpha Academy, Tug of War for Otis get dropped. They're clicking as a unit and turning them all babyface is a good move. Despite getting ample screen, screen time, Rhea needs a feud to sink into and quick. That said, the six-man main event was a lot of fun. Ricochet and Logan Paul, I think, I think would be a, a wonderful match. Um, at this point, I think you can justify maybe just given that big spot and just given like um, the the in ring style that you get between the two. Um, I don't know if it's it feels like one you could justify for a pay per view though, just because Ricochet is solo on the card. But can you see Logan Paul having a, ma- a singles match on on television? What's Logan Paul's match at SummerSlam? I uh, Ricochet is not the wildest idea. I, I don't think that that one's uh, a crazy idea for for SummerSlam. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, 
Let's go to Jake, who sends a super chat. Thank you, Jake. All he sends a super chat to say is happy Juneteenth, everyone. Yes, uh, to everyone out there. Um, it is a it is a holiday in, in the U.S. It's a relatively new, um, acknowledged uh, federal holiday. So a very uh, important day for people to uh, learn about as well. So on that note... Uh, Tuesday night, Braden Harrington, Davey Portman will be here 10, 15 p.m. Eastern time after NXT as they will be going through the first week of the gold rush. A very unique time of 10, 15 p.m. Eastern. Yes, they have the, you know, their quarter hour that they they start at. So look forward to that. And if you want to see them in person this Sunday, the Forbidden Poor, Braden and Davey will be there. WH Park will be there. Neil Flanagan, John Ceno, WH Park. Mike Murray, the the post Two w- world. both WH Parks. Yeah, did we'll I say it twice? <laughs> Added emphasis. Brandon from New Jersey, Jersey is said to be there as well. Well, um, a whole lot of people from the post wrestling universe will be showing up through the Forbidden Poor. Hey, is that a QR code? Yes, it is. Wow, one that one that actually works. <laughs> did the other one never work? Uh, it worked for a time. I, I made the QR code using one of the services that like discontinues it unless you pay like a like two hundred bucks, and uh, I'm, a, I'm that's a bit rich for a QR code, I would say. So my final point I want to bring up to you. So over the weekend, um, since it's Max's birthday in a few weeks, so we before school, how was Father's Day? By the way, Father's Day was great. We we had a really good time. Just uh, hung out. It was so Saturday we did his birthday party a few weeks early before school ends, so all his friends could come over and stuff. So we were just totally dead by the end of Saturday. Um, And I was like, Oh yeah, I got to do a show tonight. So that was Saturday. And one of the things he got, he got more Lego. And this is the first time I have seen this where they don't include the instruction manual. Instead, it's a piece of paper with a QR code and you have to go onto the app for the instructions. And you're kidding me. Okay. So you have never encountered this. I'm surprised. I've never. I yeah. thought this was maybe a new thing that I understand the uh, the environmental conscientiousness, but man, was it annoying to have to, yeah. first of all, you've got to download the app and then like log in to get the instructions on uh, instead of just having the typical like instruction book that comes mm-hmm. with the Lego. So I, I'm surprised you haven't uh, dealt with that. Maybe this is a rarity. I do understand that it might be the future, you know, where, where we'll just get everything downloaded anyway. But I mean, I'm still me, buying like, all this plastic in a big thing of cardboard. It's like, well, how how yeah. much am I really saving without the pieces of paper? Yeah, yeah. They do have like, um, like they do intend on changing to like recyclable paper bags at some point, yeah. uh, like in the near future. So they are, they do have like this sort of mission to like, you know, be a lot more green. But I would feel like instruction booklets would be like an essential part of the whole thing. Like, like what if I, you don't have, what, what if you don't have a phone or what, what if you don't have like a smartphone? Yeah. Or what if you don't have like, you know, an iPad? Like who wants to be looking at a tiny little screen, like scrubbing through for instructions, right? Sure. Sure. So I'm going to have a word, okay, with with uh, the people in Bill and Denmark and uh, get that sorted out. Yeah, tell them. I just I want some answers. Okay. Big week coming up. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. That is it for Rewind to Raw. We will speak with you later this week.